And welcome to the BSA Capital Tech and Transitional Energy podcast. And for those that were listening last week, you'll remember that Phil decided he wanted to have a holiday this week, didn't want to do the podcast. So I find it quite extraordinary that my analysts don't want to work whilst on holiday. But but the good news is I've actually got a, a much better person to talk to who's going to be far more interesting. And I'm delighted to welcome Matt Harper, Chief Commercial Officer of Invinity Energy Systems. Matt, how are you? I'm doing well, Andrew. Thanks for uh, having me on this week. Uh, I, you know, Phil's loss is my game, uh, and uh, th- thrilled to be uh, to be with you. We love to have a special guest, and also this podcast is not going to be all about Minnesota Energy Systems, although we, we clearly will talk about it. But I know that you have a background that stretches over all sorts of parts of the transitional energy revolution, and so we can talk about all sorts of different areas. And so I thought my first question actually is a very simple one. Is so that listeners can understand why I'm so excited to talk about you. Can you just give us a quick minute on on your background because you didn't start off in Vanadium flow batteries. You started off elsewhere. Yeah, no, that's true. So look, my uh, <clears throat> um, I trained as an engineer, mechanical engineer, um, and then spent and spent the first part of my career um, starting in sort of the mid '90s uh, in hydrogen and fuel cells. I, I was with a company called Ballard Power Systems that built the world's first uh, electric uh, hydrogen fuel cell bus fleet. Um, and then went on to a company called uh, General Hydrogen, which was re- which was then acquired by by plug, U.S. listed Plug Power, um, doing uh, working on hydrogen fueling infrastructure. Um, in 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 2005, I jumped over to a company called VRB Power Systems, which was the original licensee of the Vanadium Flow Battery Company, uh, Vanadium Flow Battery Technology into North America, and essentially through a couple of different companies have been working on uh, have been working on the Vanadium Flow technology ever since. Um, in, in, in 2013, I was one of the founders of uh, Avalon Battery, which was one of the predecessor companies to Infinity, um, and have really been just driving forward the commercialization of the technology ever since. Well, I think that's that's a great answer and very clear. Uh, so why don't we just actually pick up a little bit? Hydrogen is the buzzword that all politicians love to to use, and it's going to solve all of the climate change and everything. But in reality, I'm I'm not sure it is. But I mean, it's it's interesting. You know, you started your career some time ago in fuel cells, and one of the things that really gets me, and maybe you can give me a a good answer to it, is that fuel cells actually have been around for ages. I mean, they were in Apollo 11 that landed on the moon. I remember watching the film Apollo 13, they had a fuel cell in it. What has changed between then, you know, nearly 50, 60 years ago and today that suddenly people think that fuel cells is this new, modern, brilliant invention and fuel cell companies are worth fortunes when they've been around for ages? Well, look, it's 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 the combination of of opportunity and need. Um, you know, the need, as we all know, is 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 sort of accelerating. Um, you know, everyone is paying more and more attention to you know the 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 need to transition away from purely carbon-based fuels to something that um, you know is 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 cleaner burning and 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 or not burning at all, as the case may be. Um, as as a way of of you know reducing you know GHG emissions and you know meeting some of the international commitments under various uh, you know various accords, um, you know so there's definitely a need for alternative uh, energy sources in general across industry, whether that's in you know heavy vehicle fleets or automotive or you know industrial applications. The the flip side of the coin, the you know the 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 um, the capability of fuel cells to deliver on some of those things has been advancing uh, for a long time. I mean, when I was with Ballard back in back in in, in the late '90s, we you know, we used to say that you know widespread adoption of these vehicles was uh, you know three to five years away, and and it still is. 
Um, but you know that's not because that's not because the 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 need has changed at all. Um, but what has changed now is that the capabilities that fuel cells are actually delivering today have really uh, have really accelerated. Right, we do now see. Uh, you know, vehicle fleets that are being deployed. Um, we do now see, um, you know, industrial applications for for hydrogen. We do now see people experimenting with um, the long duration, you know, ultra long duration energy storage by pumping hydrogen into the natural gas system, as an example. So those those um, you know those those methods of using the technology are really now starting to catch up, um, and uh, and and sort of tying that need and that opportunity together in uh, in one place. And again, I mean, I think one of the things, you know, when we've chatted previously, there's, there's there's actually room for all of these different technologies. I mean, there's such a massive revolution going on and clearly hydrogen and fuel cells are going to play one part, but it's just one part. And there's lots of other parts that come into play as well. And I mean, I, so, I mean, just again, just taking, you know, everyone talks about the hydrogen economy. You at Ballard were, were working on, on, as you say, trucks and things, but I mean, for for cars and and personal transport, does hydrogen really work? Because it's you know, you, the other problem, of course, with hydrogen, you have got to store it somewhere, haven't you? I mean, it's quite it's quite a dangerous gas. Um, you, you yeah, as is the you know the sixty liters of petrol that you sit on when you you know drive when you get in your in your car these days. I mean, it's uh, it's not a it's not an unreasonable risk. Yes, it you know like a lot of these things need to be needs to be treated with respect, but I'm not you know, overly concerned about the safety perspective um, um, of the hydrogen. I mean, you know, the thing that I would say is, is um, you know, does it make sense for automotive vehicles? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, the, the advances that we've seen in lithium-ion uh, battery performance for the automotive industry have been remarkable over the last couple of years. And, you know, for individual passenger vehicles that, you know, are being used for, you know, 15 to 60 minutes a day to sort of, you know, drive into the office or go pick up your groceries or, you know, what have you, you know, that could be a very good application. I think the two things that we're seeing, though, is that, um, you know, there is a shift towards, um, you know, fleet vehicles where they are operating not just an hour a day, but, you know, 12 to 15 hours a day. You know, you think about all the Amazon trucks running around the streets these days. Um, you know, those are applications where it is harder for lithium uh, ion batteries to serve those uh, those the, those uh, those types of uh, uses. And um, in that case, you know, uh, a hydrogen fueled vehicle where you can pull up plug it in and refuel, you know, in the amount of time it takes you to go inside and grab a cup of coffee is tremendously valuable. You know, the thing, the thing that I always think of is, you know, we talk about sort of the, the, the transition to, you know, energy storage or, or, or um, you know, renewable energy as sort of a monolithic thing. And I, you know, the, one of the examples I always point to is, uh, you know, look at, look at the variety of fuels that exist in our current electricity system, right? There's no one fuel that, you know, that everyone uses. You know, there are places for coal, there are places for petrol, there are places for natural gas, there are places where uranium are the fuels that we tend to use inside the current electricity system. Our future system is gonna look exactly the same. There's going to be horses for courses in terms of um, you know, the different technologies that serve different needs. Um, and, and, and obviously, you know, I think hydrogen has a place to play. Mm. Let's pick up on that point, because I don't know if you're a, a believer in the same way that actually I am a total believer, and that is in the future becoming what they call SWB. So for those that don't know, that's solar wind batteries. And I've seen forecasts that, you know, by 2050, 80% of all of our energy needs will be coming from SWB. Would you agree with that? 
I did. I, I would. Yeah. Look, um, I think there's a tendency to, uh, you know, as we look towards a future energy system to, um, to be very sort of futuristic and to think about, um, you know, what, you know, emerging technologies, you know, small nuclear reactors, you know, whatever else it might be that could potentially be part of that future energy mix. I, I think that's unduly pessimistic. My view is that the, all the solutions we need are currently at hand, right? Um, you know, solar is already, you know, by far the, the least cost source of electricity generation anywhere in the world, if you forget about the fact that um, it's only available when the sun's shining. Um, you know, similarly with wind, you know, very, very inexpensive, significantly lower cost than any other, uh, you know, than most of the other forms of, uh, of fuel-based generation. Um, what's needed is, you know, the the the, the systems, the um, you know, the regulation, the entrepreneurial work to go out and take those different building blocks and construct a low carbon energy system with them, and 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 that's the that's the hard work that I think is is now upon us to go and do. Well, economics actually nearly always drives everything. I mean, it was you know, there's two things actually that I suppose drive. You look at when we move from horses to cars. It was number one, it became economically basically cheaper. Um, but secondly, of course, it became much better because you had a, a, a much, you know, a hundredfold increase in the in your capability from a horse to a car. You know, you can all sorts of things improve, should we say, the product. So it's economics and improving the product. And going back to your point about, you know, let's take solar. I mean, once you've built your solar plant and everything and ignoring storage for now, your marginal cost of energy basically goes to zero virtually because it's just capex that it, the sun is free that, that that's exactly it and i think that you know that that difference between a a fuel based world where your you know your marginal cost of production is is probably your your the biggest portion of your overall life cycle costs for a generating plant versus you know the renewables model where your marginal cost of production is near zero and you know essentially you are just going to put out energy whenever and however you can that's a that's a big shift in thinking in terms of how we architect the electric grid and in terms of how we plan for um, those future capabilities. So, I mean, again, this, this is moving us nicely into your, your home territory, so to speak. But, you know, once, you know, everybody's built these massive solar plants and there's some huge wind farms being built, certainly in the North Sea for the UK, but I'm sure it will. I think actually wind farms at uh, America is slightly behind um, but there's a lot of plans, I know, on the uh, east coast of America to build some big wind farms. Then you've obviously, we know that, you know, offshore wind, you basically get it 60% of the time. So you've got the energy source coming in regularly. You, you've clearly got to store it. And this is where, you know, SWB, the battery bit come, comes in. And, and look, there's obviously different forms of storage depending upon when you are, because, you know, at the moment, actually, the biggest form of energy storage is, is hydroelectric, isn't it? Yep, that's right. Yeah, you know, pumped hydro projects are 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 huge uh, the world over, uh, and clearly there's room for that. But I mean, again, it, I guess it's going to come down in the same way to a certain extent to economics. In fact, I'd say in energy storage is almost purely economics because there's no increase in comfort factor or anything like that. Particularly, there is safety, isn't there, and things like that that are important, uh, particularly in, in California at the moment with all these fires and everything. Um, yep. So I, I guess that that's where, you know, with a, 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 you know, at the moment, everybody thinks lithium ion batteries, number one, because they're available. And number two, because they're actually pretty cheap to install because the cost of lithium ion batteries has just come whizzing down. 
So where are we in the in the sort of general picture? And I'm not just talking vanadium flow, I'm talking all sorts of flow and other things. Where is that in relation to lithium ion batteries? Because clearly if you're going to build, and we're going to come on to Siemens Gamesa fairly soon, because if you're going to, because they build these big wind farms. If you're going to build one of these big wind farms, you've got to have an energy storage capability, haven't you, for at least 25 years, if not 50 years. Otherwise it's pointless. And lithium ion just, just doesn't do that, does it? Totally agree. Look, uh, lithium-ion batteries have done a phenomenal job of proving to the world that uh, energy storage on the electric grid is can be massively profitable. Um, you know, but you know the challenge in our view is that it, the, it's the thin edge of the wedge, right? If you think about uh, a technology that's capable of putting you know a couple of hours of power onto the electric grid to solve you know short-term you know intermittency or you know power quality issues, you know, and doing that, yeah, maybe a hundred or, or or so times a year. That's a that's a phenomenal capability, but it's not one that's going to get us over, you know, the over the 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 really the really heavy lift of the renewable transition, right? If you if you think about the, um, you know, the 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 type of capability that storage needs to deliver, that's going to mean that you know, no matter whether it's day or night or whether the wind is blowing or not, when someone throws on a light switch at their home, they're going to get the reliable low cost power that they have come to expect over the last 120 years. Um, you know, that is a, a, a capability that demands a different class of technology. And, and you know, the, our, our vanadium flow batteries are, 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 that's really what we're, you know, the, the segment of the market that we're targeting, right? We want to take, um, you know, batteries that can produce, you know, six to eight to 10 hours of power to fill in those gaps between the wind and, 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 and sun. Um, and to be able to, you know, fill in that gap, you know, every day of the year for as long as those renewable sources are operational. And those renewable sources have lifetimes of, as you say, sort of 20 to 20 to, in some cases, 50 years. That's the remit that we are trying to step into. Now, there will be, there, sorry, go on. No, no, you go on, go on. It's fine. I was just going to say there, there, there will be. You know, we're we're not going to be the only answer. Um, but certainly, uh, you know, what we've identified and what I think the the market is starting to reflect is that you know neither is lithium, and 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 there's going to be there's going to be different um, you know different uh, different technologies serving um, that uh, you know that that renewable shift if we're going to get renewable power to deliver that same kind of fundamental economics and, and availability of energy that we all and our businesses and and and, uh, and our societies depend on. And again, I mean, not focusing necessarily on vanadium, but flow batteries and actually some of these other things like, you know, um, compressed air and this sort of stuff. It feels that it's taking a long time to get momentum to get going and be adopted. Um, am I just missing something and being very short term? Or is it just the economics aren't quite yet? Or wh why does it seem to be taking time to get going? So look, it, it, I mean, it takes a very long time to 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 uh, to mature these technologies to the point where they're making a material difference on the electric grid. Um, you know, everyone thinks that sort of solar panels were something that just burst into the market. You know, in the last seven or eight years, you know, solar panels have been have been have been you know available for you know, 35 to 40 years now. Um, and it's only it's only once they've reached, a you know, an incredible level of, of maturity and 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 whatnot that um, that they're able to make that material difference. Um, you know, I think that um, we're going to see the same thing, you know, or well, 
to back up, uh, you know, similar situation with with lithium batteries, right? Lithium batteries were, you know, were first hit the market for powering, you know, personal electronic devices in the in the mid 90s. And, you know, it took 20 to now 25 years for them to make a material impact on, you know, how the grid is operated. We're seeing, you know, we're seeing that same thing. I mean, our we we put our first projects into the field about 15 years ago, um, and 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 are just now starting to see, you know, the very very large projects um, sort of come into play that you know we've been we've been we've been hoping to target through that time that that time frame. What does that mean for some of these other emerging technologies? I mean, they are absolutely going to have some part to play in the future. Um, you know, one of the things that that are that we don't look at with our batteries is how do you take um, energy from you know a very sunny summer uh, and move it into the winter period when people need to heat their homes and 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 need to keep the lights on not for four hours a day but for you know eight hours a day. That's that's something that uh, you know is not uh, it, it's not something that is well served by the class of technology we're working with, but it is one of the areas where some of the you know to to wrap back to your initial question you know compressed air or sort of you know some of the hydrogen generation technologies or or, or other um, you know other other technologies might be able to serve much better. Well, that's where actually some of these wind farms that they. Uh... Not only are they going to be wind farms producing energy, but they're also going to use that energy for to create green hydrogen, aren't they? And that sort of allows for that sort of combination to be created, doesn't it? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and 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 you know that green hydrogen can be can be you know injected into the natural gas system and and, and distributed very effectively and used for you know quite quite efficiently for heating later on. It can be used for you know powering those heavy vehicle fleets. Um, you know, there's a lot you can do with that green hydrogen once it's generated. And you know, a fundamentally low cost source of you know of energy like wind is a great way to do it. So just going back to flow batteries. Um... Just quickly, I mean, you've obviously committed yourself to vanadium flow batteries, but why, in your view, is vanadium so much better than zinc or iron or some of these other flow battery companies that are coming onto the market, which actually seem to be getting quite a lot of attention in the, in, certainly in, in the USA? They're definitely getting a lot of attention. Um, I, if you look at um, the megawatt hours of uh, flow batteries that have been installed and operated and where you know the results of those operate that operation is 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 sort of available in the public domain um, you know the the results are unequivocal that you know there is you know perhaps two orders of magnitude more vanadium flow batteries that have been delivered to the electric grid than any other flow battery type um, you know, you think about, uh, you know, the, the, some of the pioneering work that has been done in Asia. You think about the work that our company has done in uh, primarily in the UK and in the US. Um, you know, there's there's hundreds of megawatt hours of vanadium flow batteries that have been delivered on the grid. And and, and, and that gives us, a, you know, a tremendous advantage, not only in convincing our customers um, that this is the right route, um, but also convincing their financiers that um, the technology is going to do what we say it's going to do, that it's going to have that fundamental durability that we need to deliver, um, and that uh, that it's going to be profitable for them. And, uh, you know, that's a that's a that's a, a big step up from where a lot of these emerging, um, you know, comparable flow battery technologies are coming in. Will they uh, will they eventually get to market at a similar scale? Possibly. I mean, there are a lot of 
electrochemical technologies in general, not just flow batteries. I'm talking about everything, you know, electrochemical related. Um, but there's a lot of those electrochemical technologies that have not made it to market because they don't scale well from the lab bench into the field. Um, and, you know, I take great confidence in, in, in being able to, to, to point to those projects where we have deployed at scale at a, you know, at a, at a, at a size where we are making a material impact on individual customers, energy economics on the operation of, you know, individual nodes on the electric grid as proof that we are going to be able to continue to scale our business and, and, and meet those needs accordingly. I mean, I find it also interesting that there's a lot of, you know, very clever and successful people certainly in the mining industry who really believe that vanadium flow batteries are going to take off so you've got robert friedland you know multi-billionaire mining genius you know he's heavily involved in vanadium flow batteries particularly in china you've yep. got Sir mick davis who's just you know basically acquired a huge stake in, in ferro alloys you know which is a vanadium producer because he thinks vanadium flow batteries are going to take off so, yep. so many people like this all saying vanadium flow batteries are going to take off. Why is it that basically Invinity seems to be the only successful player out there? By the way, if there's somebody else listening who does vanadium flow batteries that are successful, I'm not, not being rude. Maybe I just don't know enough about you. But you appear to be, why are there more people being successful in this industry, which seems almost certain to explode into massive growth? Yeah, well, look, and... and um... I, I, part of it, I think, is because it is a long-term play, right? Myself and, and 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 a lot of our team at Infinity have been looking at this problem for you know a decade or more, um, and and you know that's that's the that's the kind of um, the the long-run view that's needed to get these technologies off you know scaled off of the lab bench and into commercial application. Um, I I you know I I think that um, there will be others coming along, and look, we want. We want, uh, you know, comparable technologies or identical technologies to come into the market and compete with us, right? You know, no, no single technology has ever sort of revolutionized the the energy world, right? You know, there are many many factors of solar panels. There are many many factors of lithium lithium ion batteries. So we need that sort of, you know, diversity of solutions in the market. Um, um, and, uh, you know, we're just, we're fortunate enough to have been able to pull together some of the right, uh, the right pieces of the puzzle in terms of our team, in terms of our financing, in terms of our leadership, um, that, uh, that, that, that have allowed us to get to the place where we are today. Um, I'm you know, obviously your point there though, Matt, on, on, you know, many solar panel manufacturers, many lithium yeah. on, and actually, you know, what's really worked there is a lot of them are, are based in China and they've just driven the price down hugely, haven't they? So it, it, look, it's absolutely true. Um, and and we it, it is a cautionary tale for, you know, for us, certainly as we plan our business, but I think for policymakers in, you know, the, in the in the countries where we're operating to 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 take a hard look at, at making sure that that, um, you know, that the, the, there remains, you know, a domestic part to play in this future. Um, you know, I would look to the wind industry as an example of where that can be done very well, right? You know, wind has, you know, there are natural reasons why you, you know, would want to produce wind turbines domestically in terms of their size and and and, and whatnot. But if you look across the entire wind value chain, I mean, there is a lot of, 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 of work that is being done all over the world by very capable wind companies. And, and of course, you know, Siemens Gamesa, our, our, our partner um, in Spain and Germany being one of them. Um, so, um, uh, you know, that's 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 definitely um, uh, where we would look to try and make sure that we are not just, 
you know, creating some neat tech that is going to ultimately be offshored to, you know, the the absolute lowest cost, um, you know, manufacturing source and, 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 and to make sure that we are, you know, replacing or, you know, I guess, creating, um, you know, good jobs, you know, in our domestic territories where we operate for uh, for a whole lot of people. Okay, well, let, let's also pick up on that Siemens Gamesa because it's a good time to do it, I think, because, you know, I, I know there are certain restrictions on what you can say, but, you know, you were working with them for years to make sure the technology work was right for what they need. As we discussed earlier, as, a, as one of the biggest players in wind farm manufacture, wind turbine manufacturers, and therefore these wind farms, they need your product or else they can't sell their product. So for them, it's an incredibly important deal. Yet the stock market in the UK, I mean, I thought your stock could fly to sort of three or four pounds when you announced that, and yet it, it hasn't. It's actually sort of drifted off. I mean, first of all, you must be pretty disappointed, but I mean, it, isn't it incredible? What are we missing, I suppose, by the fact that I can see this deal is incredibly important to Siemens Commesser, and therefore, you know, it's you can't guarantee that anything is going to work, but it, it tends to point to the fact that you, you've got a hell of a good future there. What is it the UK market's missing from that deal? Um... Look, I mean, we've been we we've been um, you know somewhat uh, limited in the in the in the you know the way that we've talked about that uh, in the in in the public eye, um, and 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 really that's because uh, you know as 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 was as we put out in our in our in our releases on it. I mean, this is the combination of a joint development agreement and a joint commercialization agreement, and it is for a product that is fit for purpose for coupling with, uh, you know, with, with, with Siemens Gamesa's business, which is, you know, the wind turbine industry. Um, you know, what we've seen over the last five years is that, you know, the combination of storage with solar plants has become, you know, the, probably the, 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 the largest application of, of, of batteries on the grid the world over. What we haven't seen is that same traction translate into the wind space. And it's because wind projects have very different characteristics than uh, than solar projects. It is, you know, regulating the output from a, from a wind farm is a lot tougher than um, than what you see, uh, you know, what you see out of a solar farm. And, you know, the scale at which those wind installations exist is you know, at least one, if not several orders of magnitude larger than most of the solar plants that we're seeing going in around the world. So, you know, those things together have meant that, you know, we are really, you know, what, where we align very, very closely with Siemens Gamesa and um, is, uh, is on two fundamental positions. Um, you know, first that, um, you know, a, a battery that has the kind of high cycle, high throughput characteristics that we deliver is absolutely fit for purpose for um, for rate, for doing that regulation of wind projects. And second, that the battery that delivers energy at the at the lowest levelized cost or you know has the absolute lowest total cost of ownership is going to be the one that wins in that portion of the industry. Those two things together were, you know, we we were we, you know, were absolutely aligned with them on. What that means is that, you know, there is development work that we need to do, right? We have not built battery projects at the gigawatt hour scale to date, which is what's going to be needed to serve some of these very, very large wind projects. And, um, you know, that means that we are in a in a, in a development process with Siemens Gamesa. Um, that product is not fully formed as yet. Um, and, and as soon as it is, we will be doing putting a lot more information out in front of the market in terms of what the product looks like, when it's going to be available and how it's going to perform. Um, 
you know, until that date, you know, unfortunately, we, we you know, there's not there's not a lot we can say um, publicly because you know that that product is not as yet fully formed. But what I have confidence in is that our partner in developing that product is the absolute right one for us and for the market. And what we will deliver with them is something that is going to be phenomenally competitive and transformative in terms of the overall energy uh, energy landscape. But again, it's, it makes a huge endorsement that a company so globally renowned and as big as Siemens Gamesa has said, yep, we want to go with both Infinity Energy Systems, but also Vanadium Flow Batteries. I mean, everybody's endorsing it. And that's what I find so strange that the market isn't quite picking up on it. Because, I mean, that is a huge endorsement. Because, I mean, they looked at just about every product out there, didn't they? And tested them before they chose you. Yeah, I mean, they've they've done a tremendous amount of, of of background work. You know, in in our initial conversations with them, we were very impressed with the you know the fact that they were already very much up to speed on how the technology works, what it is, what it can and can't do. So, um, yeah, they've they've taken a very measured, very long term view to to getting um to to getting that level of knowledge, and they you know I mean, look, they could have done a deal with energy with any energy storage technology in the world with lithium with you know iron flow with any of these other companies and they've chosen to work with vanadium flow and they've chosen to work with us because of those fundamental points it's proven it's the it's it's low cost and it is absolutely fit for purpose in operation for regulating the output from um from wind farms i'll tell you what matt you know we've been chatting now for about 30 minutes and we we, we don't want to keep it too long so we probably better draw it to a close there because otherwise listeners will, will get bored not of you but of me probably <laughs> but you know look it's great to chat and I, I hope that soon of course that you and, and also Larry Zulch the, the CEO of Invinity can get over to the UK and, and actually talk more about what is going on because it is phenomenally exciting and of course it's it is a global product as well I mean this product it's not just UK it's it's uh, it, it's huge potential demand isn't there in, in North America but also places like Australia and you know everywhere in the world really um, uh, so it's very exciting absolutely and and it's you know uh, it's it's been amazing I mean we uh, when when did we close our, our our merger deal? It was I think it was March thirteenth of last year. Um, just as the pandemic was starting. Just, I mean, we literally, you know, we flew home and I, I, you know, I landed and my wife said, "You have to go into lockdown." And I said, "What's lockdown?" And, <laughs> well, we all now know very well what that means. And uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to 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 getting back on the road, getting back to talking with some of our, you know, our, our customers and our investors and, and, and other people in our ecosystem and, um, and, and getting that sort of incoming flow of, of great ideas about how we're going to drive this company forward. Well, and also come over for the launch of the Oxford Energy Super Hub, uh, which is where you've got obviously some product in there. And I think, you know, we'll demonstrate the validity of Vanadium Flow sitting alongside Lithium Iron. And, you know, yeah. there's potentially another 40 Super Hubs to be built just in the UK alone. That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah, and 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 um, you know we're really looking forward to having that sort of side by side comparison of how, you know, what lithium and 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 flow can do, you know, vis a vis one another, and and to you know, and then looking forward to those uh, those next batch of uh, of projects. And finally, I mean, I hope you're not too hot because Vancouver's been having a bit of a a mega heat wave, isn't it? Yeah, we we I mean we had record breaking temperatures for a couple of days there, about a, about uh, about a week and a half ago. Um, you know, fortunately, it's 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 back to its normal its normal uh, its normal way, which is you know a lot more close to you know a, a typical UK summer than uh, 
than than what we what we were seeing recently. We're back in the sort of mid twenties, um, which is uh, entirely pleasant. And especially having had you know such a such a violent heat wave a couple of weeks ago is 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 feeling more pleasant still. But look, it's 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 put a very fine point on you know the importance of this energy transition that we are in the middle of trying to drive. And um, you know, once we all you know stop sweating, it's going to be uh, additional impetus to get down to business to keep driving on this uh, this mission. It certainly does. But on that note, Matt, thanks for coming on and doing this podcast with us. And uh, and for regular listeners, I think Phil will be back next week. But it's been a pleasure to have you, Matt, this week instead. Most welcome, Andrew. Thanks very much.